Gathering with Roger B. occurs monthly in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Attendees are 12-steppers, those who have been affected by another's addiction, and some who are simply interested in improving their personal level of life satisfaction using a variety of spiritually-based tools. It is also used as a tool for study groups nationwide. The gathering's talks are generally tied to one or more of the 12 steps, but are always guided by spiritual concepts, principles, and ideas common to most faiths. Topics are drawn from a variety of sources, the 12 steps, many of the well-known wisdom texts, science, and other teachers that speak to a spiritual solution to life solutions. Roger has been in recovery for over 40 years and has spent thousands of hours in service sharing his experience, strength, and hope. He has created curriculum for treatment centers and leads workshops and retreats throughout the United States, Canada, and Europe. Roger is a certified spiritual director and offers insight into spiritually-based living skills that are relevant to all people, whether in recovery or not. This episode is sponsored by Gopher State Tape Library, a 5013C corporation. Established in 1974, the library has been archiving recovery talks of the many 12-step recovery fellowships across the globe. For almost 50 years, these have been distributed worldwide. The library is the only all-volunteer organization doing this work in existence. There are no paid employees. Thousands of downloads, MP3s, and CDs can be obtained at www.gstl.ecwid.com. Welcome to the gathering. Um, I'm going to do a little departure tonight. You know, uh, some of you were here uh, two times ago, and I did a little piece on Anthony DeMello, The Way to Love, and you really liked that. So I'm going to not do that again. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to another guy, uh, James Allen wrote a famous book. He wrote a bunch of books, but his most famous one was called As a Man Thinketh. And we talk all the time about our thinking. When you examine the steps, if you're a 12-step person, what's going on? What just happened? That was weird. If we lose a signal, stay where you are and I'll, and I'll log back in. Something just happened that I don't know what it was. But anyway, um, James Allen wrote his most famous book was a, a book called As a Man Thinketh, or As a Woman Thinketh, or As a Person Thinketh. And I looked up a little bio stuff on him. He was in the late 1800s, and his father was an illiterate factory worker, and his mother was illiterate. Somewhere he taught himself how to read and write, and uh, he was quite a little explorer. And the thing that's interesting about this book is uh, – in 1898, he found his profession, which was uh, journalism. And he was very excited about this. He was also a spiritual seeker. And uh, he married a woman named Lily. He wrote these books and, and he started a, uh, a uh, publishing company. He had a, let me see if I can find this here, sorry. He had a uh, newspaper uh, magazine he did and it was called a epic. And he published that until his death in 1912. And so in the nine years that he started that career, he wrote 19 books. 
the thing um, I think that's interesting about this, um, the published manuscripts posthumously were uh, foundation stones to happiness success. But this is the thing that his wife said that I think um, those of you that are in 12-step recovery can appreciate. And if you're not, you can still appreciate it. He never wrote theories for the sake of writing, he, but he wrote what he had a, when he had a message and it became a message only when he'd lived it out in his own life, his experience, and knew that it was good. Thus, he wrote facts, which he had proven by practice. And that's what we do in our recovery and in our spiritual lives. You say, you declare, this is where I'm at. Well, it better be in your actions or it's a fantasy. So to the point, this is an interesting time because when this was published, it came at a time in the culture where things were exploding. The same time he was doing his writing, Joseph Campbell was doing his writing. Charles and Mildred Fillmore took a riff off Emily Cady and they started Unity. And Emmett Fox was there and he was a preeminent lecturer and author and minister and he was a student of Unity. So, and then four years after Emmett published Sermon on the Mount, the big book was published. So there was a huge explosion in, in consciousness work. So this book was part of that. So, so I'll, I'm going to give you some tie-ins for the, the people that are uh, in recovery. In the, uh, and if you're not in recovery, the tie-ins still work. I'm just, I'm just trying to, uh, include those that are not because you don't have to be in recovery to understand these ideas or get the riff, right? So here, on page 23, they're talking about what sets up the drinking. What sets up the drinking for the Al-Anon? What, ups, what's upset, what offsets the thinking? For the overeater, what offsets the binging is an idea, is a thought, okay? And then it goes on to say, you know, if you never took the first drink, if you never rode with the first crazy thought, if you weren't neurotic, these observations would be academic. Because once you go with that thought, everything goes off the rails. So they're saying on page 23, these observations be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, the first think, the first donut, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, this is the important part. The main problem of the individual centers in his mind, her mind, rather than their body. Okay? So then, when you examine your life, your struggles, your futility and your hopelessness, it's always been a search for a solution to the living problem, to the anxiety, to the fear, to the resentment, to my past, to the bottle, whatever it was. And so it turns out that whatever it was that drove you to seek, the dilemma underneath that was lack of power. This is on page 45. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how are we to find the power? Well, it turns out that's what we're always looking for. I was just looking for a power. I was looking for some way to keep me safe, to keep me okay, to keep me on track. And then 
This is on page 62. This is describing a conclusion in the inventory, but this describes most people in their futility and hopelessness, their depression, their isolation, really succinctly. The problem, selfish self-centeredness, which is fueled by fear and shame. Selfish self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. So this is an internal, introspective look at me. This takes guts for me to admit my selfishness and my self-centeredness. Is it really all about me? What does it have to do with me? Is this going to be good for me? Right? And what drives it is a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. I step on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt me and seemingly without provocation, but invariably I will find that sometime in the past, I made decisions based on that selfish, self-centered fear, which later put me in a place to be harmed. Okay. The idea here is I'm the maker of my problems. If you're a 12-step person, you know the inventory process, you know this. The first nine steps are all about your thinking and how your thinking manifests. So here's another way um, to think about your thinking. Now I'm going to go to James Allen and tie this in. Your mind may be likened to a garden that may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. Weed seeds, negative thinking, negative ideas. Where do they come from? Usually they come from outside of us. What's the matter with you? Why aren't you more like your cousin? Why aren't you like your brother? Why aren't you like, your, why aren't you like someone else? Why aren't you a better person, right? So you understand the metaphor. Just as gardeners cultivate their plots, keeping them free from weeds and growing the flowing and growing the flowers and fruits they desire, thought choice, right? So may you tend the garden of your mind, weeding out all the wrong, useless and impure thoughts and cultivating towards perfection the flowers and fruits of right, useful and pure thought. Well, that's what you do with the inventory process. You're looking at your thinking. You're looking at the garden of your mind. You're looking at resentments, fears, hurtful behavior to other people. It's the same thing, just a different metaphor, just a different way to think about it. So by pursuing this process, you will sooner or later discover that you are the master gardener of your soul, the director of your life. Your life, not anyone else's. <laughs> you also reveal within yourself the laws of thought and understand with ever-increasing accuracy how the forces of thought, forces of thought, and the elements of mind, forces of thought are the energy that the idea has. You know, when you're afraid, you feel that in your body, don't you? It has a certain energy. When you're happy, you feel that energy. When you're worried or concerned or doubtful, you feel that energy. When you're reviewing some past harm, you feel that energy. Thoughts have energy. Thoughts are causal. And then the elements of the mind that he's referring to are the ideas and beliefs that I carry. So if I carry a belief that everyone's in it for themselves and it's the law of jungle, survival of the fittest, then that's how I see the world. I tell my eyes what to look for. 
and my eyes report exactly what I expect to see. Huh. And that shapes my character. And the character is just the, the total sum of all your experiences, real or imagined. And that shapes your character and the circumstances and your destiny, your path, your direction. Thought and character are one. Character is just distinctive quality or trait. So, and as character can only manifest and discover its through self through environment and circumstance, the outer conditions of your life will always be found to be harmoniously related to your inner state. Now, when you take that and lay it over the fear inventory, you go, oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I was afraid, and my fear produced these things that I brought into my life that fortified my fear. I brought in untrustworthy people. I brought in elements that I didn't want to bring in. Or my lying produced elements in my behavior that created circumstances. Do you see what I'm saying? This is the undoing of the idea that you're somehow a victim. This doesn't mean that your circumstances at any, any, any given time are an indication of your dire character, but that those circumstances are so intimately connected with some vital element of your thought that for the time being, they're indispensable to your development. So now we have this idea. When you look at your inventory, when you look at your resentment, your fear, and your harmful behavior to other people, you have to ask yourself, how did I arrive at those reactions and decisions. How did I do that? Well, you reverse engineer it and you find the principle that you were operating off of, right? It's always a lower principle, selfishness, self-centeredness, fear, elements of fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, concern, anger, confusion, mm. shame, guilt, pessimism. Okay. So the question isn't, when I'm externally for it, I'm always asking, why is this happening to me? And this question is, what is this trying to show me? Because there's something in me that's drawing this circumstance to me, has created it, and now it holds the seed of the answer. It has a gift for me. But you can never find the gift if you're always trying to push the pain away. I don't want to know that about me. This is what we talk about as a double life. I got one me that I want you to know, and there's a whole other me inside. No, no, no. I want the inside and the outside to be the same, okay? So what is this trying to teach me? You are where you are by the law of your being. Ah, we have a prayer about being. God, remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. That's a call to consciousness. You see, inside, not go do. That's outside. What would you have me be? Be kind. Be generous. Be tolerant. Be loving. Be charitable. Any of those will work. Be empathetic, right? So my thought life, the ideas that I believe, are what create my circumstances. Because I act out of those ideas. Now, this, this ties into another element of this, which we don't have time to do tonight. But it is, it is this. When you think about who is Bill, who is Brian, who is Roger? Roger was created for me. I did not create Roger. Roger, 
That's a name. Could have been Stephen, but no, it was Roger. It's just a label to identify me as being other than Lori, Anne, Melissa. Just a label. And then they poured into me what they thought a Roger should be. And no one ever told me. And I never even supposed that maybe there was an option to that. And so we know as children, we learn by observation and repetition. You learn a lot more as a child watching things going on than you do because you don't have any language or life experience. So you get impressions. Not safe. Not safe. Not safe. So then the brain goes, what do we need to do to be safe? And here comes the liar and the dishonesty and the manipulator, right? Not worthy, not worthy, not lovable, not not forgivable, not redeemable, that's shame. So what do I have to do to not feel shame? Well, I have to build a facade. I'll have to build a persona for you to look at so you don't know how, how deeply shaken I am by being in this world, and I don't know how it works. So the law, my thinking is what puts me here. And my thinking built into my character created the circumstances and the arrangement of my life, there is no element of chance, but all is the result of a law that cannot err. And this is just as true of those who feel out of harmony with their surroundings as those who are connected with them. So it doesn't matter because what it is, is whatever I, reality I've created, we got 33 people here, there's 33 realities. And there might be multiple realities during the talk. You might go from one place to another place to another place to another place. If I just trust what my senses are telling me, I will never, ever get a clear picture of what's going on. So here's another, another way this gets contaminated. Approval. So when you don't feel like you're enough and you're good enough, approval seems to be the answer, right? Approval, love, acceptance. Achievement, right? And so you start going out to get that love, approval, achievement. What do you have to do to get it? What do you have to do to get it? And even when I get it, it never, ever fills the emptiness in me. Because we've been blessed and cursed with this thing I call divine discontent. And that is an emptiness in us. Piper knows what I'm talking about. There's an emptiness in us that no matter what I've tried to throw into that hole to date has never been enough. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy my achievements. I can't be my achievements. And if I'm hung up on your praise of me, then I will also be hung up on your criticism of me. So now I've given you the power to tell me, am I acceptable? Am I not acceptable? Am I beautiful? And then you can tell me I'm ugly. And you can tell me I'm smart. And then you can convince me I'm dumb. And I don't know who I am. And I'm addicted. This is all external. I have to know who I am. Because if you give me a compliment or a criticism, it's more saying something about where you're at than where I'm at. It's your perception. It's your snapshot from your experiences. If I don't know that, I get whipsawed all over the place by people's opinion, good or bad, right? I'm buffeted. Here's Israel. We are buffeted by circumstances. So long as you believe yourself to be a creature affected by outside conditions, So the way the outside conditions control me is the story I make up about the condition. Oh, this is a good day. I've made up a story about a good day. 
oh, this is a bad day. I made up a story about a bad day. It's the same damn day. Nothing's changed. It's like when you go to work. I love my job. And then one day you hate your job. What has changed? You were the job. You know, it's my perception. And I've got to understand, I am creating that with this narration that my brain cooks up based on the sensory information. I have to stop that and go inside and look from the inside out. I can't define me by the outside in. I have to radiate what I say I believe. So when I realize I'm a creative power and that you may command the hidden soil and seeds of your being out of which your circumstances grow, then you become the rightful master of yourself. What are we We're not talking about now I'm, I went from powerless to powerful. What they're saying is what the serenity prayer says. Change the things I can, accept what I can't. I can't change any of you or anything about this out here. The only thing I can change is the way I'm looking at it, is my attitude. That's the only thing I can change. And that attitude is based on a series of perceptions and values. And that is what pulls up the ideas. And the ideas then become the actions. And I go, God, I did it again. I don't know why I did that. Well, I don't understand the mechanism. So. All people who have practiced self-examination and self-control know that circumstances grow out of thought. All action is born in thought. And I fought that for years, that idea. Because I say, no, 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 you just, you do this and I just, bang, I do that. And what it is, is habituated thoughts and ideas, responses. I've done it for so long that it's become automatic. And I don't see the thought. So then what happens is I go, I reverse engineer. You just tore Bill's head off and because he, he just looked at you sideways. What was that about? And then I have to reverse it back into the, oh, you were afraid. Oh, you felt insecure. Oh, I, I, that was my perception. My character was flawed. I need to buff it up. You can't buff it up. You can't improve your character if you want to address your thinking. And fear says, God, don't look. You can't handle it. And shame says, this is going to be a confirmation of your worst nightmare. And neither one's true. But you can't find that out until you push through it. You know, Piper just celebrated a year. She's pushed through a lot of stuff this year. A lot of things that weren't true. A lot of false ideas. It takes courage to look at that stuff. But you also have to have a substitute for it. You can't just say, don't think that way. I have to find different ways to think. So I, Emmett Fox talks about this. He calls it law of substitution. So I'm getting ready to lie. Don't do business with the thing you're powerless over. Because I'm powerless over my dishonesty. But I'm not powerless to choose honesty. But I will have to shut up in order to not lie. You see, I can stop lying, but not without a premeditated thought to practice honesty. So when I start out, it's I did it again. You lied again, you lied again, you lied again. But then as I get better at it, I can hear myself getting ready to lie. But usually it's too late when you're early in recovery, early in your progression. And so then, okay, did it again, did it again. And then after more practice, after more practice, 
I can hear myself getting ready to do it and I can stop it. This whole thing about examining your thinking, where things are coming from, is all about what we do in the 10th step. That's how you weed the garden. You watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, whatever other defect you love that's troublesome. You look for that. You watch for it. And then you correct. You ask God to remove it. You talk to someone. You make any amends if you need to. And then you turn your thinking back to someone you can help. That's how you weed the garden. You have to plant different ideas. And to plant them, then you have to keep them alive. That means you got to water them. you got to give them some grow light. you got to give them some. you just got to take care of them. And what we've done, a lot of us, not all of us, but what we've done is what we've taken care of is our horrible, dramatic story. If you had my history, you'd understand why I'm the way I am. If you had been betrayed like I've been betrayed, if you had the parents I've been blessed with, if you had any of these circumstances I had, then you'd understand why I'm the way I am. And what we do is we take that story and we wrap it around us like a warm blanket. And we say, this is why I'm the way I am. And you know what? There's absolutely no way to change that because you're a little victim and it won't work. I have to take the story off and I have to get loose from it. And the way we get loose from it primarily is through amends and through forgiveness and understanding. And that doesn't come as a burst of insight. It comes with practice. Oh, that resentment's back again. Well, you amended that, then pray for that person. Pray to be free of your judgment. Do you get what I'm saying? I hope you do. So anyway, the soul attracts that which it secretly harbors, what it loves, and also what it fears. So our consciousness is like a magnet. It reaches the height of its cherished aspirations, then it falls to the depth of its recurring unexamined fears. Do you ever have a, have you noticed a pattern in your life where I'm always starting over? Every five years I start over, every 10 years I start over, every two years, I just, everything just goes to hell and I have to start over again. I had a, I had a history like that about every 10 years of my life. I just blew it up. I didn't understand it. Circumstances are the means by which the soul receives its own. So my circumstances are trying to indicate to me what I really believe in here, in my deepest, darkest, maybe unconscious self, what I really believe in here. So read the circumstances. Instead of run away from them, I've got to turn them into, this is a problem. i got to turn it into an opportunity. I do that by examining it, taking it apart, and then choosing contrary ideas and beliefs to go forward with. And slowly, my character evolves. I'm lying less. I'm understanding much more this, this idea of thoughts become actions, because now I can see it in my history. I can see how that happens. If you think it long enough, you're going to do it. The common example of that is with 12-steppers uh, is, is drinking or drug use, or if you're an Al-Anon, just an obsessive neurotic rant, right? It's... Um, that's commonly the symptom, but it's not the cause. And we have to go under it. And the, the, the neuroses we have doesn't want us to look under it because that's how it controls us. That's how it runs our lives. If you look at your inventory, if you look at your relationship, if you look at your ideas and you ask, what is the source? Is the source fear? Some version of fear, some version of shame. I'm not good enough. 
I'm not safe? Or is it something of, of a more abundant order? Empathy, understanding, forgiveness, helpfulness, tolerance, patience. Ah, those produce different results. Because remember this idea, I'm not punished for my thinking. I'm punished by my thinking. I'm not punished for my actions. I'm punished by my actions. That is an internal compass that's been built into us as our birthright. We all know the difference between something that's right or wrong. We all know the difference when you're getting ready to do something. There's always this feeling of, not such a good idea. Not such a good idea. It's still a small voice, easily overridden by instincts on rampage, screaming to be satisfied. And so I will trash everybody and everything between me and my goal. And then I end up with my goal and a I'm surrounded by wreckage. New episodes of The Gathering are published twice a month and can be found on Spotify and other major podcast apps. You can follow The Gathering on Spotify and others to receive monthly notifications of new episodes.